Welcome back to the Green Rush. We are live like we are every Friday from 4 to 6 Eastern. With us today, Joe Lachance of Cannabis Corner and Luis Vega of Nautilus Botanicals. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us in the Green Rush. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank yeah. you so much. Super excited to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Joe, you want to jump in and, and uh, dive right in? Tell us a little bit about what you got going on. Yeah, Um. Well, both me and Lewis, we host the radio show on Mondays uh, from Connecticut, uh, broadcast live out of New Haven, and it's actually over the airwaves, as well as streaming live um, on Facebook. It's also streaming live on Twitch, and it's also streaming live on Pro Cannabis Media. <laughs> so the show's been running for about five years now. We were like the first over the air over the airwaves cannabis show showed you know directly uh, related to cannabis in connecticut um and so we kind of broke the ice there pushed the envelope a little bit and we've gained quite a following and we just you know every week we have a guest on either from the local cannabis industry or from the national cannabis industry or even we've had legislators on we've had doctors on uh, and we just, for an hour, we just basically talk about cannabis. And sometimes it's very topical about what laws are being passed and and regulatory stuff and things like that that are specific to Connecticut. But other times we get a little uh, deeper and, you know, as to the future of the industry as a whole. Uh, so we'd like to have a, a variety of guests on activists, business people, like I said, legislators, doctors, nurses, even have some scientists, authors. Uh, and it's been a great, for me anyway, learning experience. This is how I learn more and more about the plant that I didn't know before. Because a lot of these people are on the cutting edge. Like I said, they're doctors, they're working in the industry, and they're on the edge of some pretty cool research and stuff and uh, you know almost every time i have a guest on i would say i learned something new i don't know if that's lou's experience or not but for me that's it's been totally new. joe that's totally my experience i i feel like i'm blessed to get to meet all these amazing new people every single week it's um i like to joke about it but i call it our own variety hour right mm. right 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 yeah it's a lot of fun we that's one thing you know Obviously, with the pandemic, uh, we actually used to go in the studio every week. We used to travel to the radio station and do it live from studio. The pandemic has made it a little, which made it rough in rough weather and sometimes traffic and things like that. People would get there late. Um, actually, the pandemic, and I don't know if you find this as well with your show, has made it a lot easier. Uh, because now we can do it remotely. Now we can have our guests call in remotely. Um, and it's made us able to get a few more people who we may not have been able to get before. It's a right. great way to practice that remote. And, uh, you know, it's really made uh, the information more accessible to everybody, I believe. So I'm super blessed to, to be a part of it. And I really always appreciate Joe for having me on the show. We Like you said, we've been going five years strong. And um, Cannabis Corner in New Haven was kind of that that breaking ground kind of thing. There were other great media um, shows that kind of dabbled in cannabis before us. But actually getting on the air was a huge thing for us. Yeah. Sure. Delivery. That was a big deal. 
delivery was a big deal too during the pandemic that sped things up probably 10 years but i think the adoption of of people listening and in the guests i think sped that up too because a lot of people didn't really know how to log on no one used skype uh, it just wasn't, you know, kind of in, in the lexicon. It wasn't something that you do, you do it in person. And the, the pandemic really forced everyone to not only view it, accept it, adopt it. Um, but like you said, Joe, it really kind of expanded everybody's uh, ability to get people because uh, it didn't really require you to, to be uh, in person. Um, you know, propagandist media has been around for half a decade. The talking hedge has been around for five years a lot's changed mm -hmm. um like not necessarily your style but like how do you think uh your reporting has changed over the last half decade like what's what's different in the industry is it the same thing it was five years ago or no no i mean the show was initially basically started to help further the cause of legalization in connecticut so you know, we really focused a lot on activism. Uh, we used to have another co-host, Kibra Smith-Bolden, who is uh, very, you know, well-known in the cannabis industry. And all three of us were basically activists. And we wanted to use it kind of to be the voice of the Connecticut cannabis industry. So people could come there and know what's going on with legalization. So people could come there and know what's going on in the state, even as far as the legalization of hemp, as far as what's going on with CBD regulation. Um, we just felt like it should be it would be a great information source while that process was going on. Now it here we was a great time, Joe, and it really has been. And it was a place that where activists, education people, um, professionals can all come together and meet. It's a, it became a meeting grounds and a neutral space for legislation legislators and activists. We've watched the show develop over the last five years. We've hit all the trials and tribulations. And now we're really excited about being able to move into the next space. You know, we have partners like Pro Canvas Media, uh, New Haven Independent. Um, we have uh, Harry the Brave who works with us. And we have a lot of great friends that we've been able to build off of this. And with that, we've seen the journey from activists, entrepreneur, um, traveling men, a whole bunch of really cool things because uh, during this time, you know, Joe, Joe ran a store. I had my business. We were able to, you know, help promote other people's businesses and activities and events. And we watched the market mature over the last five years in our local area. Yeah. Get insight from people outside of our area and really make friends through the airways. Because, you know, we, we talk about podcasts, radios and social media and internet media and everything else. And they become the, the meeting place, I guess, as we travel. You know, we, we are lucky enough in our local area to have our radio show played in like City Hall. So you can, you yeah. know, if you walk in whilst, while our show's on, on the public access network, it's playing in City Hall. And at any given moment, you hear people talking about weed in City Hall and government buildings. And it's still pretty cool. Um, so we're really excited to be here today. And thank you so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah, when you, you know, going back to the pandemic, I think another thing that actually helped our viewership was the pandemic because now people were home. You know what I mean? And instead of being at work or maybe in their cars, and, and again, that was the whole point of getting it on terrestrial radio was the fact that you never know who could flip it on, flip it on by accident, you know? 
somebody flipping through the stations in New Haven. And, oh, what's this? You know, and, and they're talking about weed. And it was really all about breaking the stigma, making it something that could be spoken of over terrestrial radio. And, you know, obviously my goal would be to take it to another level onto a, a bigger station. You know, maybe serious radio, maybe, uh, you know, get some syndication going. It would be, It's time for cannabis to have a show like that. I mean, if you go on YouTube, you see all these political shows and conspiracy shows and you, you see. Know, that's our goal. And I, and I know that's your guys goal, too. That's yeah. something that we're all working towards. And we're super excited to be part of this. Yeah. Um you know, you guys have a great show. We we pop in, we listen. This is pretty cool. This pro cannabis media is a great avenue, and you guys are sharing a ton of knowledge. Um, what are what are some of the other things you guys got on floating? Yeah, around? you guys got a bunch of shows on there too. Yeah. I mean, you you yeah, know, we're we both in the same business here. Absolutely. So you got. I actually enjoy when your show pops on just because it's something different and it brings a whole yeah a little bit of a change to the network and it, it's interesting. I. It's educational, like you said. I actually enjoy it. I was going to ask you real quick before I answer that. Who's one of your favorite guests that you've had? Because you had five years. It's a lot of guests. So just somebody that's been interesting. I don't even have to be your favorite, but somebody that you just find like interesting, funny, something. I know who my favorite guest is. (laughs) And it's Rick Naya. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that is Rick is probably one of my favorite guests as well. He is a a spitfire individual and if you're in the northeast rick naya is a for the listeners out there if you don't know who he is go ahead and follow him he is i he's like the great grandfather of cannabis um he is grandpa cannabi um the the hype man of hype mans <laughs> and if you yeah. ever need somebody to to share a very passionate post or a very passionate Feeling about something that that guy right there, he will he will pull your heartstrings and um, and give you a little tear jerk. I know that he uh, won a co-award for like cannabis uh, media, something of the year last year with Nikan. He wins a ton of great awards. And but yeah, Matt, Rick Nye is one of the liveliest guests you can imagine. <laughs> Joe, I'm so happy you brought him up. He's a good friend and he's definitely one of my favorite guests to have on um, for socially, socially. Yeah. And, then we have and it's always a good time. Guests. We laugh, you know what yes. I mean? <laughs> yeah, then we have some great educational guests. One of my favorite is uh, uh, Jason Ortiz. He's the president, uh, I mean, the executive director of Students for a Sensible Drug Policy Program. Yeah. And he brings a world of knowledge on the federal policy level for mushrooms, psilocybin, cannabis. And this is something that's not local now. So we got Rick, who's a Northeast local guy. And then we have Jason who is uh, like a large policy guy throughout the nation. He's actually the keynote speaker at um, at an upcoming convention. So we're, we're really excited about our friends growing in the space as well. Yeah, Jason came, kind of came, we all came up together, which is really nice. And it's nice to see him moving things into a national level now. And he's really training the next generation of activists through SSDP. You know, because he's going right to the college students and showing them. And Jason is a fierce activist. He he has no problem. Activist, businessman. Ground level. Let's remember, cannabis is a great plant that's going to be able to do amazing things and really push forward and and hammer it down. Um, 
But you know, I definitely want to make sure everybody's got there with what they got. What are some of your other questions, brother? Oh well, I saw that you were in the food service industry, so I was just going to ask you a little bit about that because I wanted <laughs> to see how you relate that to the cannabis industry. So, oh gonna... man, did we have fun doing that stuff, Joe? You remember back in the day when we started mixing the parties, and that was kind of the first come up. We're talking six, seven, eight years ago, um, and it, I guess it relates a lot to what happened during COVID. Uh, and we've had a couple of these conversations, uh, Joe. How many people from the hospitality food service industry really switched over during COVID to the cannabis industry? Yeah. We we yeah. saw people bouncing from where we have full restaurants or dining service or food trucks or any of that stuff. We've now seeing those individuals move right into cannabis. And I have to say the hospitality industry and cannabis has always gone together. This mm. is not something that's new. <laughs> Weed and food. <laughs> yeah, right. The who's been hasn't made pop brownies, right? <laughs> I, I graduated the restaurant school of Philadelphia in the year 2000. I was literally making brownies in 2000 and selling them back then. So I've been doing it a little long, a little time, but uh, yeah. There you I go. Went to the culinary school. I was a chef. My last chef job and my last job ever was for the NFL. And I said it was the last job I'd ever clock in and out of. And that was a few years back. And I held to that. And, uh, yeah, I got to cook for everybody that does shows for the NFL films. It was an amazing job. Incredible job. Worked for Steve Sable. The guy was awesome. I mean, that guy was incredible. And um, met some awesome people there. But, yeah, I was a chef. So I know exactly what you mean when you say the hospitality industry and cannabis because they go hand in hand. My whole life was it's the last industry that will ever have drug testing. If there's a union, or right. guys, like, they'll never test for cannabis. That they're... and the entertainment industry will never. No, hold testing. on. <laughs> wait, wait. I will tell you one crazy story. I'll, and I probably won't even tell this, but who cares? But uh <laughs> The People only drug test I <laughs> so ready. The only drug test I've ever found in my entire life. I got a job at a major casino down in AC to basically be an executive and run one of the major restaurants down there. And casinos actually hair test you whether you're wow. a culinary security. It doesn't matter. And uh, at the time, they were having issues, so. It was going back and forth, and they told me, look, this job might take a couple months. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I smoke anyway. I don't care. And I was just going to take one of the things. Well, I found out. I go to Colorado. I come back. They call me up like a week later. Like, yeah, you come in. You got to get your hair test. I'm like, a hair test for a chef job? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, it's a casino. We, we have to. And I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I want this stuff to put in my hair. It didn't work. And uh, yeah, it was the only test I ever found. And I literally had worked there already. They had hired me and I was working there for a couple of weeks and it was going great. And then I was in the middle of a shift and they come up to me and they're like, apparently there was a problem with like, you're testing i'm like what test like just act like i didn't know but i had already known because the testing company called me and told me and uh so i was aware and uh i was like what are you talking about and they were just like oh yeah you're gonna have to leave and i'm like whatever i really didn't care it actually was kind of a blessing because it opened up a bunch of businesses to me like literally a month or two later i started an entire business and it Oh yeah, my life way better. So, and that's a pretty far drop drive for a job. 
from me. So it all works out for a reason, but it's a crazy story. Because but like at I the said, time, you think it's like the world is ending. Like I was engaged after six years with this chick. I lost, I failed a drug test. Our our relationship was over. I, I basically for the same reason. Uh, and it was like the best thing ever. I thought my world was ending, you know? And then like in hindsight, you're like, damn, I'm really glad I didn't get that job. And I'm really glad I didn't get married because I'd be divorced. Yeah, yeah. Funny. Wow. there you go. Now, that's funny you say that because I said I was like upset about the job because like I said, I had worked there for a few weeks already and it was going great. I was getting like I was entitled to bonuses and all this crazy stuff. And I was just like, well, this will be cool. <laughs> and then they popped me with that. I'm like, well, that ended quick, but whatever. I was mad you for know. like a week and I was like, ah, whatever. Who cares? That shit happens. I yeah. And you know what's yeah. interesting about drug testing and all that stuff, right? This is for weed, right? <laughs> but right. Yet, how much alcoholism is in the restaurant and the food and the casino industry. How oh much opioid abuse is in the in in those industries? It's funny, you know? Joe. I, I worked in banking, right? But I had to take a drug test to get into banking, and they called it three martini lunch. So they know you're going and getting wasted, and they they did. They brought me. They I bought three martinis. I got absolutely <laughs> hammered, and they're like, "Just don't talk to any clients for the rest of the day." And it was like then on our quarterly um, you know meeting when all of the banks would get together and hand out awards and do their, their BS, we, it would be the, the head uh, teller would make uh, margaritas. She had a blender. She had tequila in her top drawer and that's how they rolled. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but I know people that would go into the safe and have a, sa a cocaine in the safe deposit box and start snort little cocaine down there. And they want to have an issue. Like that. My, my buddy that was a, a banker next to me, uh, peed for me so i could get promoted out of there right uh, so it, you know like he, luckily he did that for me and i got the next job uh but it's all that stuff is stupid because you know like you said is water soluble for the worst drugs out there they don't you can't really test for alcohol or cocaine but you well, unless you catch it right away you know yeah, yeah. within like a couple hours with them yeah yeah yeah, yeah and most crazy. people you know they sleep it off they come into work hung over but they're not Maybe they are. Still we didn't drunk. even sleep, Joe. Like we would be up all night till <laughs> three o'clock in the morning and come in. Man, I I'll tell you a story because I don't even care anymore. This is really bad. I don't drink anymore, and this is one of the reasons why. Um, like dirty martinis are, are are the devil. I went out one time and got wasted with my coworkers, and then at like two in the morning, I didn't want to take a ferry, an hour ferry ride, and go back and then come back the next morning. So I literally slept in the lobby on the couch. I woke up at like five in the morning and it was like a yard sale my shoes were over there my shirt was over here luckily no one came in the smurfs were playing on tv which i can't even begin to tell you how trippy that is when you're still drunk and you wake up and the smurfs are playing and they're giving you some life lesson and you're like i'm not ready for this i'm not ready for you go away smurf <laughs> I just, like nobody like that's just how we rolled back then and that was at right. a bank man these are like bankers like you're trusting them with with your money, money. and your finance and stuff <laughs> And they're out getting hammered, like, you know, just to just to get the stress out of the way. Wouldn't you want them a little puff away and, you know, come in sober? But that's not how it, that's not how it works, man. I know my wife works at Amazon. I'm not going to tell you about those stories. Those, really? Yeah. They must be strict, huh? Crazy, man. It is absolutely crazy what people they, go They through. create alcoholics, bro. Like, yeah. You know, and we talk about this and we see we see it in all the professions. And, you know, I whatever profession people are in, they tell you all the time, especially with drug tests. Oh, just cocaine's out of your system in a couple hours, in three days. 
the weekend drug. You can do it all day, Friday, Saturday, get drug tested on Tuesday. And, you know, it's tough because cannabis stays in your system for such a long time. Like if I were to ever be like when I get when I get, you know, my blood type is sour kush. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> There's never a question. They're like, we're going to get drug tested. I was like, I am going to fail that. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try anymore, bro. But like, before, you, before you move on to that, we all need to um, imbibe so that we failed the next drug test. Because it is 420 somewhere, so we're going to take a quick break. We're all going to imbibe. We're going to come back in a couple minutes. So all y'all, puff, puff, pass. Don't fuck up the rules. We'll be right back. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.